clearly risks involved. There are clearly dangers involved when we have people returning uh, from uh, dangerous parts of the world where they have voluntarily gone to. And uh, we need to make sure that the British public are protected. And Dua Lipa made a surprise appearance at Madame Tussauds in London last night. The singer was there to unveil a waxwork in her image. That's you up to date. I'm Paul Kelly. It's game day and this is the home of Scottish football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard Rangers maybe without Morelos and McGregor but they have the chance to half Celtic's lead at the top against St Johnson. Hoops have to wait until tomorrow to bounce back from European disappointment at Kilmarnock. Before that a first game for Paul Hiking bottom at Hibs and a tough away day for bottom side St Mirren. I'm Gordon Duncan joining me in the studio Hugh Keevans, Mark Wilson and Alex Ray. Let's go straight to Ibrooks though and get team news ahead of Rangers and St Johnson with Alison and Gordon. Good afternoon Gordon. I would love to give you the Rangers team but they haven't actually Actually, oh, they have just four seconds ago put it out. And Jermaine Defoe will start for Rangers this afternoon. Of course, he was an injury doubt yesterday. Kel Lafferty also an injury doubt. He will start on the bench. That so will be foddering him in goal, of course, because McGregor is suspended for this one. With Tavernier, Goldson, Worrell and Barisic. That will be McCrory, Davis, Kamara, Candias, Kent and Defoe on the bench. Firth, Halliday, Katic, Koulibaly, Middleton, Polster and Lafferty. For St Johnson, it will be one change from that 5-0 defeat to Celtic last weekend. Bells in goal, a back four of Foster, Kerr, Shocknessy and Tanzer. Then it will be Wotherspoon, Davidson, Goss and Craig with Kennedy in behind the lone striker of Kane. Gordon Diel, we look at this and the, the big news is that Jermaine Defoe will start this afternoon. Yeah, and I think that's good news for Rangers. Um, obviously, Lafferty struggling with a calf injury. Uh, Morelis missing through suspension. So they needed an out-and-out centre-forward. Defoe fills that. And um, it'll be interesting to see if they can get some service into him. I don't think he's got off to the greatest start. Uh, I know he's bagged a couple of goals, but he'll be looking, especially at home this afternoon, to try and get these goals that everybody was expecting from him. St Johnston, obviously, coming down here again after a 5-0 drubbing at Celtic Park. They'll be looking for a better performance. They've got to be more positive, Alison. If they adapt the same tactics as they did against Celtic, then I find Rangers to win this game comfortably. West Fodding in goal this afternoon, of course, because Alan McGregor suspended. Stephen Gerrard spoke about it yesterday and he says he's got two number ones. Yeah, he's, a good, he's not in the same class, in my opinion, as McGregor, but um, I think um, the Rangers manager will have every confidence in him. He's an experienced goalkeeper, um, so I don't think there's any problem there whatsoever. It'll just be interesting to see how this game develops. And uh, with Rangers obviously looking today, they must get three points. You can't, you can't drop any points here this afternoon, especially with Celtic playing tomorrow. So, home advantage against the St Johnston team who lost five last Sunday. I'd expect Rangers to pick the valuable three points up. That is the team news here from Ibrox. Jermaine Defoe is fit and will start. And the Rangers have signed a Man City Academy player on a pre-contract this morning. 18-year-old midfielder Kane Ritchie Holser. Yeah, you must be some player if you can play with City and Rangers. That's all I'll say. There he goes. It's only five past two and he's managed to get that one in there already. That is a new record, Hugh Evans. Well, to uh, concentrate on the day's events, Gordon Dale is absolutely correct. Rangers must get all three points. Otherwise, in terms of the league title race, it's a disaster for Steven Gerrard. St Johnston, however, are the definition of bang average. 
They've won 10, they've lost 11, they're sixth in a table of 12, they've just been sorted out by Celtic three times in the space of 11 days. I don't think they can mount the kind of challenge that will deprive Rangers of any points today. And then the scrutiny will fall on Brendan Rodgers and Celtic at Rugby Park tomorrow. That's the name of the game now. The title race only concerns Celtic and Rangers. They both have to be aware of the fact they're walking a tightrope. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the actual personnel which Rangers have uh, gone with today. Kamara, first start for him as well, Gordon, in terms of uh, you know making an impact. We, we we thought he may well be a fringe player. Davis, is he up to speed yet? But, you know, these are the guys that you're actually looking for. Going back to Davis, uh, sorry, Defoe's uh, return so far. Three goals in six games, not bad. I take Dazzy's point in terms of he would like to have been more game time, more influential within games. But today is a must-win for Rangers. They have to put the pressure onto Celtic tomorrow and anything other than three points will, will be a disaster yeah same as the guy saying I mean it's imperative that Rangers win today you know cut that gap to three points I mean Hugh Hugh says St Johnson are barely merely there for the taking probably you didn't quite say that but I think St Johnson made it difficult for Celtic at Celtic Park for long periods of time you know they defended well okay they got beat 2-0 and the same well, at the first game, you mean, the yeah. first game and then they got beat at McDermott Park um, so there's players in there who know how to defend and know how to make it difficult it's whether Rangers have got the personnel to unlock that and with Jermaine Defoe Daz is saying he's not had the, the perfect start but he's still a quality player you would think they, they will have enough today to go over the line depends on what they want to be I mean do they want to be uh, in the match or are they simply there to keep Rangers out of the match um, if they have a go at Rangers the chances are they'll get picked off if they don't have a go at Rangers the chances are they'll get picked off Gordon Deal the Glen Camara one is interesting because there was a lot of debate during the window as to whether that deal would be done now or whether it would be done at the end of the season people asking well you know if he comes now there are a few similar players where does he fit into the team well today Stephen Gerrard's put him straight into the starting 11 yeah he's obviously impressed in training as well Gordon uh, you get a feel for a player coming into a new club and it's just uh, the right game to put him in. And he's at home. And they're at home today. Uh, a packed uh, crowd in Ibrox against, and who's right, I think a very average uh, St Johnston team. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays. Um, but I expect Rangers, especially with the pressure being on them with Celtic playing tomorrow, that six-point gap, I expect Rangers to come out the traps this afternoon and get at St Johnston. And if they can get that early goal, I think it'll be comfortable. OK, let's hear from both managers then, starting with the home boss, Stephen Gerrard. I think there'll be a reaction from St Johnson. The recent run results haven't been how Tommy likes it, if you like, because you know, he bases his team on clean sheets and defensively being solid. So I think they've conceded quite a few goals recently, albeit against Celtic in, in a lot of them fixtures. So I think we're, we're expecting a reaction. Um, we're expecting a, a tight St Johnson team who, who won't give much away and a really organised team. So... It'll be a good challenge for us. It's nice to be back at Ibrox you know, on a Saturday, three o'clock, with a full house, and um, we're really looking forward to the game. So, Stephen Gerrard, they're up against Tommy Wright this afternoon. We've got uh, a run of fixtures that uh, mean that we've played Celtic three times, Hearts, and now we're uh, going to Rangers, and we've got Aberdeen and then Hibs, so the next three fixtures are extremely tough. Um, and obviously starting with Rangers, who have been excellent at home, particularly this season, but excellent throughout the season and um, Stephen Gerrard's done a great job he's brought them a lot closer uh, to Celtic and uh, what maybe some people would have thought and um, you know they'll be trying to push Celtic all the way for the title we've got to make it um, 
a difficult afternoon for them and, and try and get uh, three points where at this stage of the season you know every three points is going to be vital Huge afternoon for St Mirren in desperate need of a win but a tough away fixture on the road at Aberdeen Dave Galloway is watching that one Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Gordon. Saints boss Oren Kearney says he's happy with the application and effort from his players, but they're certainly not delivering results on the pitch. Seven defeats in eight games with only one cup win against Alloa. Now, the last league victory for the side propping up the rest of the Premiership came just before Christmas at Motherwell. So they come to Petondre this afternoon desperate for a pick-me-up, but this has been anything but a happy hunting ground for them, shipping 12 goals in their previous three visits. St Mirren make two changes to their starting uh, lineup in come Anton Ferdinand and Cal McAllister out drop Greg Tanzi and Anders Dreher so it's Vaclav Hiladki in goals for the Saints Paul McGinn uh, Mihai Popescu, Anton Ferdinand, Jack Baird and Matteo Muzek at the back. Midfield four, Brad Lyons, Ryan Flynn, Cameron McPherson and Cal McAllister leading the Saints attack, Dukins Nazon. The substitutes, Holmes, Corbu, Erehon, Tanzi, uh, Mullen and Jackson. As for Aberdeen, well, they just make uh, a couple of changes also. Now again, and Mikey Devlin come in. Uh, Shea Logan is injured, he drops out. Stevie May is on the bench today. Joe Lewis in goals for the a back four of Tommy Hoban, Mikey Devlin, Andy Considine and Max Lowe. Midfield, Gary Mackay, Stephen Lewis, Ferguson, Graham Shinney and now McGinn with Greg Stewart playing off Sam Cosgrove up front. The substitutes for Aberdeen today. Cherney, Ball, Gleeson, Campbell, McLennan, Wilson and May. And your match referee at Sonny Petaudry is Craig Thompson. We're well into the quarter-final of the Cup now. We've got that to look forward to. A home tie. We've got um, important league games coming up. You know, for us to make the next fixture more important in the league, then by winning the games, it's the only way forward. And uh, for us, if we can keep winning, the next game becomes more relevant, more important and more crucial in terms of what we want to try and do. And that's the way I want it, Aberdeen. I don't want it just to play out a season. I've always said that I want the end of the season to be meaningful and have something really to play for. And to do that, you need to just keep churning away and picking up three points and, and getting your your head down, keep your mouth shut and just get on with the job. Derek McInnes there. Let's get the pre-match thoughts of St Mirren manager Oren Kearney. We're just looking at one result, I think, and that one catalyst. And for me, the biggest indicator is the players at this point in time. And I've been happy with their work ethic. I've been happy with their application of training. You know, all aspects of, of the mood around the place at this point in time is, is, is as good as it can possibly be in relation to, to where we've been and the journey that we've been on, which has been an interesting one this season. And with that, I just still feel, you know, you look at what Motherwell have achieved in the last month where all of a sudden they put a run of three or four games together and it catapults you into a different place in the league and, and we're still holding on to and craving craving that that if we could get you know one result and one big performance that, that can be a turning point for us um, and send us off on a run. So St Mirren up in Aberdeen this afternoon we have a managerial debut in the top flight it comes at Easter Road Hibs against Hamilton Mark Weedy's keeping an eye on things there Yes thanks very much uh, Gordon yeah it's a debut for Paul Heckingbotham the new Hibernian manager and he's out to show that there's life after Neil Lennon and he wants to get Hibs up that table currently in 8th position on 32 points his first starting 11 is a 4-4-2 against Hamilton 
Hamilton this afternoon at Sofa Marciano in goals at the back it's David Gray Paul Hanlon Dan McGregor and Lewis Stevenson in midfield Daryl Horgan Martin Milligan Stevie Mallon and Vikinta Schliefka and up front it's Mark McNulty and Florian Cam Berry on the bench for the high bees it's Adam Bogdan Mikhail Nilom Gal Bigiramana Ollie Shaw Stefan Omionga, Sean Mackey and Lewis Allen for Hamilton Ackies for Brian Rice he goes with a 4-2-3-1 Gary Woods in goals at the back it is uh, Ziggy Gordon Matt Kilgallen Alec Gogic and Lenny Sowa the holding two Aaron McGowan and Darren McKinnon and it's Mikel Miller Tony Andrew and David McMillan in behind the lone striker George Oakley on the bench for the Ackies Jacob Marsden Stephen Davis Alec Penny Scott Martin Louis Smith Stephen Boyd and Regan Mino and for Aki's 10th position only 18 points a positive result here today will take them further away from Smirren in that dreaded drop position should be a cracking game here and for the Hibernian supporters they will be interested to see how Paul Heckingbottom can perform after what has been a very turbulent few weeks and uh, the Chief Executive Leanne Dempster under immense scrutiny uh, before we look at Livingston Dundee let's delve into the championship because there is a huge game in the bottom half of that league between Alloa and Partick Thistle and Roger Hanna is watching that one yeah and how's this <coughs> pardon me for a contradiction Gordon Thistle are on their best run of wins in two years this could be a fifth consecutive triumph for the Jags but they're still stuck at the foot of the championship table they're only one point behind today's host Alloa and only a win here at the end of drill would lift them off the bottom it promises to be a fascinating fight for survival Falkirk who won 2-1 here last weekend a further point clear and Infermline just ahead of them with only three points separating the bottom four at the bottom of the second tier now the Jags they've got boss Gary Caldwell in the stand today he serves a one game SFA touchline ban so as number two Brian Kerr will take the team and it's a team that lost here on the last trip to the end of drill in October they're also held at home by the Wasps this season Dario Zanata he's scored in both those games against this this season but Alloa they're not in their best form in the season last week's defeat to the Bairns was one of four straight losses since they beat Morton here five weeks ago Jim Goodwin he makes two changes Liam Dick and Kevin Colley are recalled to the starting lineup. Caldwell also makes two changes from the side we saw win at East Fife in the Scottish Cup last weekend to set up a home quarter final against Hearts. That means Blair Spittle and Chris Doolan are recalled for the injured Stevie Saunders who limped out that game in Methyl. Miles Storey misses out too. So I'll have a go with Neil Parry in goal as a back four. Scott Taggart, Andy Graham, Sam Roscoe and Liam Dick. The holders in midfield, Stephen Hetherington and Ian Flanagan. Then it's a three of Kevin Colley, Alan Troughton and Connor Shields behind lone front man Zanata on the bench for the Wasps. Robertson, Hamilton, Brown, Kirkpatrick and Henry. As for Thistle, Connor Hazard again in goal. It's a back four this week. Christy Elliott, Jack Mullen, Stephen Anderson, who was a match winner in Methyl last week, and James Penrice at left back. Their midfield holders, Craig Slater and Stuart Bannigan, who made his 200th appearance for the Jags last week. Then it's a three of Spittle, Gary Harkins, and teenager Aidan Fitzpatrick behind top scorer Doolan on the bench. Snedden, McGinty, Wilson, Cooley Barley, Mansell, Roy, and 35 year old Scott McDonald, who signed for his former Celtic teammate Caldwell yesterday on a short term deal to the end of the season. The referee at the end of the drill this afternoon, Gordon, is Gavin Ross. Uh, and now the reason I left Livingston against Dundee to last is because Fraser Wishart is there and Fraser I'm just making sure that, that stadiums with artificial pitches still let you in 
Yes, I did. You're all right, good. I did. Good I got to hear another problem with their box is uh, it's a plugged in, and we began to think it's a conspiracy. But uh, the gentleman who stands at the door and the media entrance here was, was very good. It's very light-hearted. He, he said, "Put in my hand, I've got a present for you," and he handed me a pile of the pellets from the pitch. <laughs> so, so it's been taken in good heart, I'm sure. And I look forward to seeing Gary Gary Holt at the end of the game. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the football more because uh, this is going to be a really interesting match. Levy, of course, are sitting ninthly in ninth place. I've got 31 points already, and I know we talk about it all time but what a season it's been for them they're safe in, in my eyes and they have to keep the season going they get knocked out of the cup but they can still catch the teams above them and maybe even sneak into six that would be difficult St Johnson are six points ahead but the players deserve the fact they can actually enjoy it the rest of the season their attitude has been fantastic all season desire work rate and I think underrated uh, skill as well and I think that does annoy the players in a, in a slight way because they do play direct football but once they get up there they have got some really good players especially in that midfield area so their work rate is really fantastic and a terrific season but to Dundee on the other hand they've really got a lot to play for and a real battle on their hands at the bottom they got a draw last time out at Kelly they could have won the game but they managed to get a point in their three team battle at the bottom of the table to stay out of the playoffs or of course the dreaded drop huge turnaround of players Jim McIntyre's now largely got his own team in place over the, the busy busy transfer window but this will be a game they'll be looking to win with St Myrne Aberdeen there's a real chance of Dundee to put a bit of distance between themselves and the St Myrne team at the bottom I've got the teams here for Livingston usual lines actually Liam Kelly and goals Declan Gallagher Craig Halkett and Alan Lithgow the back Hakeem Odafan Sean Byrne Keegan Jacobs Scott Kipman and Pittman sorry and Ricky Lamy in midfield with Scott Robinson just off the main striker Ryan Hardy the subs for Livy Ross Stewart Greg Wilde Craig Sibbald Kieran Brown Chris Erskine Stephen Lawless and Stephen Lawson for Dundee they're unchained Senna Dieng's in goals and Andy Horsfield as a right back Ryan McGowan Jinseric Kasunga and Nathan Ralph at the back Andy Dale Andreas Hadimus uh, Martin Woods and Scott Wright in midfield with Andy Nelson and Craig Curran as the strikers Elliot Parrish Dan O'Dea John O'Sullivan Ethan Robson, Paul McGowan, Kenny Miller and Jesse Curran are the Dundee substitutes and the referee today at Livingston is Greg Aiken. Uh, Fraser, we're a few days in so I don't want to labour this pitch debate for, for too long but I did notice uh, in this morning's newspapers Chris Boyd um, not too complimentary about your PFA Scotland I think that's safe to say um, what, what would your, your response be? Well, I, mean, I think we'd like to clarify the, the whole process. I won't take long over this, Gordon, but there's been a lot of questions and uh, from newspapers and columnists and journalists and fans are now going to come in. So we really welcome the opportunity to, to actually clarify matters here. I think, what, firstly, to make it clear, it's actually not me and I've become the focus of it all. This is driven by the players themselves, driven by the Premiership players in particular from our club visits at the early part of the season is a hot topic and, and we are a members organisation run by the management committee and the chairman so the players brought forward a proposal to the management committee re regarding the petition that was approved we at the central PFA put a petition to get together by consulting with the players on the issues and the content what are the issues around pitches not just artificial around pitches and injuries etc and we did all that so we drew it up it's not a survey as people keep talking about it's a, it's a petition which was signed by the players and I understand uh, that a lot has been made, a lot of comments about the three clubs, Livingston here, Kilmarnock and Hamilton Ackies, the players not being asked, and that's correct. And I'll tell you why, because players are employees of their football clubs, they're employees, and in their contracts, they are not allowed to say anything against the interests of the club, or anything direct against a club. Most employers would be exactly exactly the same at Radio Clyde, at PFA Scotland, anywhere else. You've got to be very careful what you said. So so we, we, took, we took the decision that I don't think they should be asked because it would be wrong of a responsible trade to put your members in danger of, of, being, of being, uh, being, being sanctioned, if you like, disciplined. And that happened a number of years ago. I was involved in a case a few years ago where a player did criticise 
criticised the, the, his team's pitch and he was fined, uh, fined a lot of wages. So I think that that can clarify that. But you know, I think that the, the other side of it is the 30 club reps in the lower leagues. You know, best part of 200 players in the Premiership have signed it as well, and the other nine clubs. And honestly, if, if the uh, open it up to the guys at these three clubs, Livingston, Hamilton, Ackies, Kilmarnock, if they want to do it themselves and they want to speak to me about doing it, it would have to be anonymous because I wouldn't be able to put them in a position where they're breaching their contract. Then I'm more than happy to speak to them as well and, and pick up that phone and uh, and speak to us. But I think the subject also have to be anonymous. But clubs must understand the views of not just players. You've seen every manager. You've seen Jozo Simovic. You've seen Callum McGregor. You've seen a host of players come out and, and say they, 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 they back the survey as well. But it's also about the, the medical staff, club chairman, want to, to do things as well. So we need to get around the, the table. The survey's actually about the players who play these subsidies put their body in the line week in week out but ultimately it's up to the clubs it's up to the decision makers so thanks Gordon for the opportunity to clarify matters regarding the three clubs concerned and to clarify the process it's not Fraser Wishart although you do know when you're, you know, the people who've got an opposite view start to make it personal you kind of know you're on the right track because they're not, they're not addressing the issues but uh, that, that's where we are just now we've put in a sign the signatures of all the clubs all the players from the top clubs as well to the SPFL and we look forward to meeting with them in due course I'm sure we've not heard the end of this debate but we are up against it time wise so we'll leave it there you've had the team news from all the big games all the big three o'clock kickoffs, and we're going to get all the team involved and looking back on some of the week's biggest stories next Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Win the compensation you deserve. Talk to Thompson's.com. Hugh Evans, Mark Wilson, Alex Ray here with me, Gordon Duncan, in the studio this afternoon. We've got the top team all around the grounds. We are 35 minutes away from kickoff. Now, at this time on a Saturday, we always try and look back on some of the week's biggest stories. Um, we've not really had the chance to speak to the likes of Mark Guidi, Fraser Wishart, Roger Hanna, Gordon DL um, about Celtic's result in Europe. So, keen to do that. Very soon Let's just round off the, the pitches for now Roger, uh, Gordon and Mark You, you really haven't had the, the, the kind of chance to have your say on that this week Mark, do you want to take us away? No, just in, in general terms Not you know specific to Chris Boy's column or, or the debate But I was just interested in Fraser's comments When he said you know, a player get fined or, or whatever But surely A, the PFA should protect all anonymity For anybody that wants to speak to him And sure that should be the point of the union That to protect any players If there is any comeback that that's what our union's all about it protects its members against any such sanctions from, from clubs Fraser I think that's what we did Mark I think that's what we did and uh, you know that, that uh, you know what football clubs our football can be like as well and, and that was a decision that was, that was taken we, we, we spoke to members of the clubs and if, you, if they want to come forward and do it on, on an anonymous basis Mark then it, it would be it would be welcomed but um, I think you're, you're right trade unions should look after their players and uh, as much debate in the office between the management committee as well about this very topic about the players at, the, at these clubs and um, it was just felt that it would be wrong to ask them and you know the, the you should have asked them even anonymously privately spoke to the or did you speak to the captains to say we do you want to, people, to have a say on this we spoke to people at the clubs yeah yeah and they decided they didn't want to do it yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger Hanna, how do you see this one well, playing on, out? Mark, on, on, on our advice, well, we, we said to them, they were keen to do it and we left it up to them to come back to us, um, given, given our advice. Right, OK. Roger Hanna, how do you see this one ending? Um, there are a lot of different processes and votes and everything else that has to go through before something becomes the law, if you like, in, in, in our football. I was actually going to ask Fraser that because what would need to happen 
for PFA Scotland to have success in this because to me, you know, the players clearly, the majority of players, the ones who have been surveyed, don't like the plastic pitches. I'm looking out at one at the end of the here at Allowa this afternoon. Some of the managers don't like it. You see Stephen Gerrard in the papers today criticising the pla- you know the surfaces. But for me, the genie's out the bottle. 25% of Premiership pitches are already artificial. I think 15 of the 42 senior clubs play on artificial pitches. If you look around the world, um, UEFA and FIFA seem to be more comfortable with these surfaces than they've ever been before to the extent that, you know, big youth finals are getting played in them and more and more glamour games are getting played in them. Do, do you think there's any chance, Fraser, of the SPFL going out on a limb and saying, no, you're not having these pitches in the top flight? And how would, you know, the, the likes of Kilmarnock, Kilmarnock's chairman Billy Bowie spoke at the AGM a couple of weeks ago to say they're putting down a new artificial surface rather than going back to grass. Do you think there's any chance of the, PF, the SPFL, I should say, listening to the players? Well, it's up to the clubs, not the SPFL in particular, Roger. And a lot of the clubs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but I was going to say to you is there's a lot of chat that goes on behind the scenes, and a lot of chat in rooms, etc., etc., and nothing seems to move. And I, and I think that from our perspective, Roger, I think it's very important. You know, I become the focus of, of, of all of this, which is absolutely fine. Doesn't bother me what people say, but. The important part of this is it's actually driven by the players, and let's try to get that message across. And if the players want their position, their their, their view here, then absolutely they're quite right. And, and I think you dismiss it at your peril. Now, if you've got a situation where we've got 39 clubs sort of saying they would like like some kind of change, like better standards, and if you read the petition deeper, it actually goes into stuff about grass pitches and improving grass pitches as well, and, and some medical research and uh, rating of pitches, etc., etc., and helping clubs with, with not such good pitches as well because players down the leagues you know they're, they're acknowledging that in some cases they're, they're willing to play or that it's better to play an artificial but they want them to be relayed and changed quicker and that could be something to look down the premiership but uh, in any situation if you're looking for an instant uh, instant change then it has to come from, from, from the clubs now I, I, I don't know what the clubs would vote at this very moment my role is to put forward the players' view and to raise the topic, and it's been backed by every single manager so far, and that's a strong, strong message I think, and the, the clubs need to take on board. Would you need to get a club to bring this up at an SPFL AGM to spark a vote, and if so, how many teams would you need to back that vote? Roger, you're, you're kind of maybe not thinking this through in terms of what I'm going to do here. My job is to raise the matter with the SPFL. My job is to raise the matter on behalf of the players. I'm not going to start to canvas clubs and to say, would you do this, would you do that, would you do the next thing? That's for clubs themselves. And I think conversations within clubs will take place between players, managers, sports science, physiotherapists and the chief executives. Mm. There's and a very, that point, simple, very simple mathematical equation here, or arithmetical equation. It would require an 11-1 vote for this to be carried and for pitches to be outlawed, artificial pitches to be outlawed, on the basis that three clubs have artificial pitches, therefore the 11-1 vote will never happen. However, for me, on a purely personal level, I am 100% convinced that artificial pitches are inferior to natural grass. I'm also 100% convinced that Fraser, PFA Scotland, the players while being well-meaning, will not win this one. We really are going to have to leave that one there. We don't have unlimited time on it. We've 
done it for a couple of nights and I'm sure we've not heard the end of it so we can we can revisit it at another point the other big story from the tail end of the week would be Celtic's disappointing night in Europe they're not playing today um, Gordon DL as always when we get a result like that it leads to a lot of soul searching on the show we get um, we get budgets brought up and we get people questioning where Celtic are in Europe and, and where they stand and what they should be doing differently what's your take on what well, happened you know, on Thursday you night? You've never seen me get the budgets when Celtic are um, winning trebles uh, domestically Celtic have been absolutely terrific I've said at Celtic Park against the rest of the Premier League teams that are class above on Thursday night I think Mark touched on it in the show we were on the show on Thursday night the big miss for me Benkovic at the back and obviously uh, Kieran Tierney but I don't think it would have made any difference because the one thing I was very surprised at Celtic on Thursday, Gordon, yeah, you can lose a game, but it's in the manner the way you lose it. I thought their defending was shocking. I thought their, you know, when they got the ball, they gave it away very cheaply, which is not like Celtic. And they still played this game that they can play week in, week out against the likes of St Johnstons, Hamiltons, Kilmarnock at Celtic Park. They can play from the back. But when they get pressured the other night, they panicked. They were all over the place. I thought Celtic looked very average. Yes, Valencia are a good side, but they're not what you would say a top, top quality side. And they made Celtic look bang average. And I think that's a big worry for our game. I think, Gordon, that Celtic need to examine their, their whole ethos. They have too many players who are on loan. They have money in the bank. They might not be able to buy at a level which would guarantee you that you would beat Valencia. But they ought to be able to buy at a level where you'd have a better chance of competing with the likes of Valencia. I think Celtic have to examine whether Brendan Rodgers is wasting his time at Celtic because he can guarantee domestic success, but he may feel that his own reputation has been damaged by the lack of European success. And I do admit that Brendan Rodgers is flesh and blood and is also able to be criticised and I think he's trying too hard to get too much out of players who cannot deliver what he expects them to deliver at European level. Mark Guidi, what's your take? <clears throat> well, just, you know, Hughes, um, you know, contradicting himself, he's saying, you know, there's too many lone players, but that's the only way that Celtic can get some of the quality in that they've got and that's the only way they can try and compete in Europe up to a point is by getting loan players where you pay a fraction of their wages and there's no transfer fee involved so you might get a 10 million pound player for a half million loan fee and 20 grand a week rather than 40 grand a week so Hugh it's very easy to work out that's why there's loan players at Celtic that's why there's loan players at Rangers that's why there's loan players all across the globe because it's a necessity well, for, for, cer for certain clubs let's, let's talk about the, the, the economics of that situation then Mark at the end of the season Wea, Burke, Tolian and Benkovic will all go back to their parent clubs. You're four down. Lustig and Boyata will go out of contract and will leave. You're six down. So How'd you, know, how you know that for sure? Well, Lustig. Lustig, I am quite sure, will go back to his native Sweden because... Make you sure that, well, there's been plenty of interest. And besides which, Lustig is at that stage of his career where even the Celtic supporters don't think he should be in the team. So, you're six players down. Boyata has been that itching. Every season, you. That's all about a football club. That's all about squad rotation. That's part of a board's job. That's part of a manager's job. You, you change things. So, you're highlighting something that happens at every football club. But, but what the problem is for... The bank, they ever yeah. to spend any of it? 
Well, of course they have. They spent £9 million last summer. They've brought in three players on loan, one from PSG, one from West Brom, one from Borussia Dortmund, and whatever else they've, they've brought in. So they'll spend the money. Yeah, it might not be headline spending, but it doesn't need to be. If you're getting quality in the door, then that's fine. It doesn't need to be £10 million players. It might give you a better chance, but it's not all about what you spend. It's about the quality you bring in. Yeah. Now, I do agree with you, and I've always said it, Brendan Rodgers has been terrific but I wish Celtic would be more aggressive in their defending there's nothing wrong with Rose heading it every now and again particularly in Europe it allows you to bring your shape back get a breath and try and go again but I think Celtic try and be too pretty and uh, go above their station when they're up against better opposition and Valencia sussed them out what Valencia did was they killed off Callum McGregor on Thursday night they stopped the supply of Callum McGregor they let everybody else have it because they identified Callum McGregor as a man who makes Celtic tick from middle to front and they stopped him from getting the ball but in terms of, of going back to your, your point Hugh lone players are all about the, ga- the game Celtic could not go and get Timothy Weir Ollie Buck and all the rest on permanent deals so that's why you lose use the loan market to your advantage Roger Hanna I noticed on the show last night there was a, a bit of a split amongst the Celtic fans so on one hand you get people who say well do you know what we just can't compete at that level in Europe anymore our budget's not big enough compared to some of the other teams but then there were plenty of other Celtic fans saying right we may have a, a slightly smaller budget than some but why can't we do what Salzburg do why can't we do what EAK Athens did why can't we do uh, what Ajax are doing and, and there, are, there are plenty of, of teams out there who are capable on, on these one-off nights of producing bigger results in Europe well Celtic have produced bigger results in Europe in one-off nights you think back to the Leipzig game Gordon the, the basic word in among all this is money I looked at a stat through the week I think the Valencia starting 11 costs something in the region of £110 million more than the Celtic starting 11 so you know, we've just seen Celtic easily beat St Johnson three times. They do that because the Celtic squad's far more expensively assembled than the St Johnson squad. And St Johnson couldn't afford to sign any of the Celtic players. And it's just the flip side of that coin. Valencia, with the riches of La Liga, can afford to go and get Kevin Gamera and Danny Parejo and all of these, Ezekiel Garay at the back, all of these world-class and international-class players that Celtic can't afford. Daz is right, they were rattled, they were panicked, the passing was poor, Callum McGregor, as Squidgey said, was thwarted in the game, and they didn't play particularly well. But the bottom line is, Valencia have a lot more money than Celtic, they can afford better players than Celtic, and seven or eight times out of ten, they will beat Celtic. There was a time, though, when Celtic had Champions League aspirations. Now, in the Europa League, they're looking average. There was a time when Brendan Rodgers could win the league at home without losing a single game. Now, they're 18 points down, the equivalent of six defeats this season. They are going down but, uh, to make the rest I, instead of going listen, up. I, I think losing to Valencia at home isn't average. I, I agree Celtic didn't play great, but I don't think there's any shame of losing to a side who are, are sitting, you know, eighth placed in La Liga, who went to the new camp and drew 2 2, who, you know, just were beaten 1 0 in the Champions League by Juventus, beaten Man United in the Champions League. I don't think it's that bad this big inquest of Celtic getting beat from Valencia they're a top quality side they may not have the household names that they had in the early 2000s but Roger's right the players that they bring in are are top top class players better than any players in the Celtic squad no matter what we think of how good Oli Burke is and Edward is Valencia have assembled a much better squad and Celtic were beaten the night by a much better team it's summed up Gordon Celtic's number one transfer target in the summer was Puccini the right back 
Brendan Rodgers made it clear he wanted him he courted the player personally etc etc he lost out to Valencia Pacini played there all night for Valencia not for Celtic now, that's not an excuse that's just a reason why that part of the reason why Valencia can win they've also got a top coach who's studied Celtic given them their due diligence and snu absolutely snuffed them out they made Celtic look very very ordinary and Celtic crumbled after 20 minutes and never recovered well they they have had a glass ceiling I think and I, I think that Brendan Rodgers will be examining all aspects of his job at Celtic Park as indeed the supporters are examining all aspects of Brendan Rodgers because he's now lost more European matches than he's won as Celtic manager but I do think that you can make adjustments to that squad money can be spent I do understand they can't rival Valencia or others however at the moment, I think they've, uh, they've come to a stage where they're standing still. OK, let's leave that one there because we've got huge games all across the, the, the country this afternoon. Rangers, St. Johnson, Hibs, Hamilton, Livingston, Dundee, Aberdeen, St. Mirren in the top flight. Our featured championship game is Alloa against Partick Thistle and we are going back around the grounds next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors, a team that gets results every week. Talk to Thompson's.com. Rangers St. Johnson, Hibs Hamilton, Livy Dundee, and Aberdeen St. Mirren in the top flight this afternoon. We've got Alloa Partick Thistle as our featured championship match. So let's go back around the grounds and continue to build up to kick off. Rangers St. Johnson will get the, the full build up a bit later on. Let's go back to Easter Road. Mark Guidi, um, Paul Heckingbottom's first game in charge, as always. This applies to every level of football everywhere. You're looking for a manager to come in and have an impact as quickly as possible. Yeah, and you know, and I think you know, with all respect to Hamilton, he's probably given a kind of ideal fixture at home to to the Aki's a game that Hibs are clearly uh, expected to win. You know, he's got a strong enough squad to pick from some really good players in there. But to, you know, Hibs haven't won at home in the league, Gordon, since the 16th of December when they beat Celtic 2-0, and they're in as part of the the frustration of, of Neil Lennon and the inconsistency um, of his players over a period. But Today, I don't think, you know, uh, Heckenbottom, really good record that, that Barnsley Leeds can be a, a basket case for it, for any manager, so I wouldn't judge any manager on what they do at Leeds, but it certainly looks a, a decent enough appointment, but he'll have to go and show that, and it starts this afternoon. Yeah, let's hear from him. A lot of energy in the team, a lot of legs in the team, which is great, you know, because we want to be a threat on the count, we want to press high up the pitch, and we want technical players who can keep the ball 100%. But there's also flaws in the team which you want to correct and that if it's a, a flaw in someone's game you, you want to try and improve it but that takes time but in terms of what's already in the building yeah we, we want to be on the front foot all the time we want to press the ball high when we win the ball we want to play forward don't want any fear you know um, we, we will lose the ball i'm not bothered if we lose the ball if we lose the ball trying to do the right things great we'll just try and win it back out of the pitch again so we want to be difficult to play against playing the front foot um, and play with an energy and a pace that, that's exciting And he's up against a man who's a, a veteran of the Scottish top flight Compared to Paul Heckenbottom Brian Rice, what's this, his, his third game in charge is it? We believe so There we go, he's got a couple under his belt Let's hear from Brian Rice The Hibs fans and players you know, want to welcome the new manager uh, with a win uh, Do they work even harder than they have been? I don't know You know, Is it a mind thing? I don't know that either But when new managers come, managers come in you get a reaction the reaction I'm looking for is no for the Hibs, it's for Hamilton. You know, we've set, we've set the crossbar, how uh, high we want to go against St Johnston, and I want to go beyond that, and I don't want the players to be in their comfort zone. I want to keep pushing them and pushing them. 
Uh, let's go and speak to Dave Galloway, Aberdeen against St Mirren. Uh, Dave, with the nature of this, you've got a relatively informed Aberdeen side near the top of the league. If you're at home against the bottom side, there's, there's no real room for, for error. I don't think the, the locals, and you know them well, Dave, would be too understanding if this ended with anything other than three points for the hosts. Oh, anything bar uh, three points for the Dons would be an absolute uh, disaster for, for the Dons, certainly. You know, they're very keen, clearly, to avoid being overtaken by Kilmarnock and Hearts, who are breathing right down their necks in the Premiership table. Things looking very interesting up at the top end, uh, Celtic running away with it, but behind that, you know, things are looking very interesting. On the other hand, Oren Kearney, you know, he says the buddies are looking for a big result, which could uh, kickstart a climb off the bottom of the Premiership, but, you know, they'll clearly come here more in hope than expectation. Now let's go to Tony Macaroni Arena again. Fraser Wishart uh, is looking ahead to Livingston and Dundee. Uh, Fraser, obviously Livingston's good work was done early on, and when you look at some of the recent results, it's probably a good thing for them that they got so many points on the board early because they've, they've been struggling recently. Yeah, absolutely the nail on the head, Gordon. It's really strange, you know, when you think of Livingston's not had a great run for the last five or six games since before Christmas, and and yet they're still sitting pretty. They're absolutely safe. I'm still in with an outside chance of of uh, getting into into that top six, but it doesn't matter where they finish. They won't be lower than ninth. I don't think any of the bottom teams below them will catch them. So so ninth place would be just a wonderful season. I think everybody in the studio, I thought they would be in a playoff place, but I think we all tipped them for the bottom two. And these players, and I know we talk about it time and time again, but I think he's it's easy to forget they were playing in, in League One a couple of years ago so they deserve all the credit for, for, for getting themselves up there but they'll have to be up for this game I think you look at Jim McIntyre's team he's got a bit more of a solid look about it Jim's a very good and very experienced manager he's gone to the 4-4-2 and didn't see their last game although they got a point against Kilmarnock but they've, they've uh, kept the same team which is always a sign the manager was quite happy with it and looking forward to seeing a number of these new players that I don't really know much about they've come up come up from England and uh, they, they had a terrible start and it's been a huge turnaround of players but he's got to go with what he's got now and I think this will be a game that uh, Jim McIntyre will be looking at for three points and as I said earlier Simona playing against Aberdeen Hamilton are through at Hibs three points for, D- for Dundee could go a long way to, to get them up that table Now let's hear from Livingston boss Gary Holt We played them Boxing Day through at Dundee and it was uh, Jim's team was tra- uh, taking shape then and he's added a, f- a few more players since the transfer window opened we know what they get we know what we're going to get on, on Saturday we know how they're going to play um, it's whether we can deal with that whether we can go toe-to-toe with it and, and match them and then try and implement our game style on them and, and help them in the areas we can I want 11 guys plus the three subs coming off in the hands and knees putting a proper shift in like we had been doing up until Christmas I think after Christmas with the, the winter break the three weeks off the getting up to speed again I think you saw them with that Wednesday game we had 14 boys out on their feet and that's what it's going to take us we know that uh, we need to buy into that and Jim McIntyre on the opposition dugout this afternoon. You know, I've been in a situation before uh, where you can go on a run, but I've also been in it where, you know, from week to week it, things can change. For us, we've just got to look at the next game and try and win the next game and then move on, uh, which is Hibs after that. But full focus on Livingston, try and get the three points and hopefully uh, the other results go your way. We are in a three-team league, you know, to stay at the playoffs, to not get relegated or to finish 10th spot. Nothing's going to change for those three teams uh, because I, I just think there's too much of a gap now between the fourth and bottom team. Now in the Championship, Roger Hanna's watching Alloa against Partick Thistle. Scott McDonald, the new signing, Roger, settles for a place on the bench. He's been out the game for 
quite some time he's been keeping himself ticking over and preparing for a relegation battle by playing five asides with Alex Ray and Mark Wilson so I don't know what that says about the, the level he can reach uh, if he comes off the bench this afternoon well, I don't know what it says about Alec Ray and Mark Wilson, I have to say, if they're not getting signed by Partick Thistle after their five-a-side performances. Um, it, it's strange, I, I've seen a bit of Partick Thistle recently, I saw them win at East Fife last week, I saw them defeat Queen of the South a couple of weeks ago in this run of four successive wins, and they look to have plenty of weapons at that end of the pitch. Chris Dolan's back in the team today, young Aidan Fitzpatrick's there, they've already signed Ali Roy, Lewis Mansell, Suleiman Koulibaly, who are all on the bench today, so I thought they were reasonably well off for strikers. You wonder if Scott McDonald's influence is just going to be as much about his experience and, and what he can add in the training ground and round about the dressing room as, as actually what he's going to do on the field of play. Obviously an experienced guy, Gary Caldwell, knows him from their time together at Celtic. Um, Thistle are in best form they've been for a long, long time. They haven't strung four wins together for over two years. This should be a fifth consecutive victory in League and Cup if they could win today. There's a chance with Falkirk not playing that they could get themselves right out of this bottom two and possibly even move up level with Infermline in, in joint seventh place, which would be huge for Thistle given the problems they've had in the first half of this season. You, you look at these bottom four, Gordon, all the momentum looks to be with Partick Thistle and Falkirk. And if you're Jim Goodwin, the Aloha manager, four consecutive defeats, and if you were Stevie Crawford, the Infermline manager, you would be looking over your shoulder and be a little bit worried you're going to be sucked right into this uh, Hugh we've been around the grounds we've built up to most of the games and it's quite clear everywhere you look huge games this afternoon yeah uh, let's start at Ibrox so obviously uh, Rangers must win uh, to drop anything at this stage of the championship race would be potentially fatal and uh, Hibs against Hamilton Mark Greedy was absolutely correct to say that it's a good fixture for Paul Heckenbottom he's absolutely correct up until 3 o'clock it's a bad fixture for Paul Heckenbottom if he doesn't win it because at home in front of that big supporter base that's not the start that you want to make and of course Aloha against Partick Thistle Partick Thistle I think will win there and have started to make inroads towards Survival, absolute survival. No playoffs, survival. You've had the team news, you've heard from the managers. Kickoffs are coming next. We're going back to Ibrooks after these. It's Clyde One, Super Scoreboards Open Line. 0141 951 1025. Hugh Keevens, Mark Wilson, Alex Ray and Gordon DL here to take your calls but let's quickly go to Pataudry because we now eventually have a full-time whistle between Aberdeen and St Mirren, Dave Galloway Aberdeen 2, St Mirren 2 is the full-time score, Saints went ahead on 19 minutes, Paul McGinn was fouled in the box by Cosgrove and Nazon netted his spot kick into the net via the post, the Dons equalised after 32 minutes, McGinn short corner, Mackay Stevens cross was nodded on by Devlin and Ferguson scored with a close-range header, now McGinn Mr. Sitter for the host hitting wildly over from around 12 yards after Stewart laid the ball on a plate for him late in the first half Aberdeen defender Tommy Hoban suddenly fell to the ground with nobody near him and he was stretched off in agony after lengthy treatment Saints went back in front just after the hour mark with a brilliant goal from McAllister who curled the ball into the net after cutting in from the right Jackson then nearly made it 3-1 to the visitors with an angled drive from the left hand side that flashed right across the goal mouth but it 
it was 2-2 on 77 minutes. Cosgrove's fine finish to convert Shinny's cross. Plenty, plenty pressure from the Dons, but the bodies held firm. They actually finished with 10 men after McAllister hobbled off late on. Here at Pitaudry, Aberdeen 2, St Mirren 2. Good point for St Mirren. In the end, it could have been more, but nevertheless, I'm sure Oren Kearney will take it. Come on then, let's hear from you. A big day full of big talking points. 01419511025. Rangers nil, St Johnson nil. Quite simply, if you're making your way out of the ground, you're going home. What did you make of it? From a Rangers perspective, where did it go wrong? How important uh, could those drop points be come the end of the season? A good point for St Mirren, a good win for Hibs early on in Paul Heckingbottom's reign. Dundee doing the business at Livingston. And you Partick Thistle fans, you've uh, managed to coax Scott McDonald out of retirement. He scores and you continue that brilliant run you are on. So let's hear from you on the phones or on Twitter. Hugh Keevans. I have to laugh Because yes. You asked me a minute ago And I'll let the, the audience in In a bit of a secret You said How long is this break going to be And you nipped away So I assumed you were going to the bathroom Because that's what people do um, I then look at my computer And it turns out You've run through to the office Because you don't have a smartphone oh. And you've tweeted yes. You've actually run through to the office And tweeted <laughs> and came back Ladies and gentlemen Another epic prediction shocker I throw myself at your mercy Fill your boots There may be words of abuse I have not heard yet Yes Indeed I, I took uh Rangers to win today And said that uh, Your Celtic would be Under scrutiny tomorrow At Rugby Park And there may be A little bit of Barney rubble Which is uh, Alec Lewis For his Millwall days Means trouble uh, On the championship front So I've had to go Throw myself At the Twitterati's mercy I got it all wrong But What is new? Let's do it then Hugh Keevans Mark Wilson Alex Ray And the one time Accordion protege Gordon DL <laughs> Is still with us At Ibrooks. He's watched at Rangers against St Mirren So he will answer any of your queries uh, About that one Jeffrey's a Rangers fan from Giffnock What did you make of it today Jeffrey? Well um, I wasn't uh, particularly happy With the referee today As Gordon will probably have observed There were a couple of high challenges um, That the referee let go um, There were a couple of fouls that he missed And um, all I, As I keep saying when I come on the phone line All I ask for is Consistency refereeing and today we never got it. I, I'm talking about for the likes of the Kilmarnock game, the Scottish Cup game with a high kick. The referee didn't do anything about it. Um, it's just things like that, and the, um, it's just it's just a worrying thing that will keep going on and on and on until something gets done about it. Gone deal. Yeah, you're never going to please everyone, especially when there's 49,000 Rangers supporters in here desperate to get a result. You can look at Steve McLean's performance all day long if you want, but me personally, if I was going home after you know, coming here and paying my money to watch my team, I'd be really disappointed in my, the players. I thought Rangers were dreadful today. Second half, I don't even think they had a shot on target, which is incredible against a St Johnston team who crumbled at Celtic Park only you know, last week, last Sunday, and should have probably went on to pick up the three points. Um, you know, Steve McLean, yes, there were one or two decisions that the fans were up and arms about, but you look at even for St Johnston, Tommy Wright will probably say that, you know, Defoe went with his elbow in the first half and was quite lucky uh, in that one as well. But this is, today is not about the referee. Forget the referee. This was a poor, poor performance from a poor Rangers side this afternoon. What about the players this afternoon, Geoffrey? Well, um, I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised because I knew that somewhere along the line St. Johnson were going to come to Ibrox after playing Celtic four times and getting beat four times and having 11 men behind the ball. A, I wasn't surprised. 
And uh, I think Sir Johnston deserved the draw after all the the problems that they've had in the last month um, playing against the other part, the other the other side of the old firm. Um, I don't know what the, I really don't know what the answer is. I mean, that's two points dropped, and you would like to think Kilmarnock will do something tomorrow, but uh, Celtic will probably come back after that. Um, Jeffrey, um, can Jeffrey, can you explain to me why St Johnson losing to Celtic in quick succession has any bearing on what happened today? Well, I think St Johnston sort of knew that they, they had to do something today and unfortunately it was against Rangers. I mean, I think in the past it has happened once or twice. Um, I'm not taking any away. I'm not taking anything away from St, jo- St. Johnston because they, they did play well today. They defended well, unlike us who couldn't score. Um, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I thought Defoe could have had the chance today. Davis had a chance today to prove himself. I mean, there were glimpses of the old Steve Davis when he was at Ibrox Pass. Um, I, I really don't know what the answer is. Um, uh, well, let Gordon DL try and sh- shed some light. What about the the number of opportunities, as Jeffrey says? You know, a chance for Steve Davis again to come in and, and mm-hmm. try and, and stamp his authority in the game. I mean, that's what he was brought for. The full deputising for the suspended Morelos. How, how much? Do, how much do Rangers miss Morelos when, when he's not there, Gordon? Oh, massively. I thought the two players that you touched on. I'm not just picking these two. It's only because the names have come up. I thought the two of them were very, very poor. Davis contributed nothing in the middle of the part. In fact, gets sub- subbed, uh, and I thought quite rightly so. Defoe played as a lone striker before Lafferty came on. Uh, didn't look a threat. He, I said earlier, Gordon, I know that you can touch on well, he scored three goals, one apparently here against St Mirren. He looks off the pace to me. He looks like um, I heard Alex saying that he needs a, a, a partnership up there with him. Because he really can't play that lone striker. He, he never contributed anything. In fact, even the second half, I'm looking, I'm, I'm thinking, I can't believe he's still on the pitch. He's, he hardly got a kick in the ball. Now, the caller's saying there about St Johnston, you know, putting a love in. St Johnston had the best chances. Second half, Blair Alston, only for the fact that he's lobbed the Rangers goalkeeper, has come off the underside of the bar. That goes in. There was no way back for Rangers. Rangers were very, very poor today, very ordinary. Um, you couldn't even pick out who was their best player. I thought the lad uh, Kamara came in. He, he, played, he played OK, but the performance, the passing... Ken just didn't look up for it. Mm. Can days get subbed? It was absolutely dreadful, and the Rangers fans were not happy at all. Graham Cameron's on Twitter, Alex. He says we can't blame the ref. Rangers were yep. very poor. Have been screaming out for a number ten all season, yep. and it's still not been sorted. Davis has shown nothing since he came back. Sometimes you get these stuffy games, don't you? Where you yep. you know you batter teams, they create a lot of chances, and you don't take your chances, and that can happen. Yep. Didn't sound like it was that today. We've had certain things coming through on Twitter, like Graham's tweet there and, and the calls. Is, is creativity in yeah. these types of games is that an ongoing issue for Rangers? Yeah, when you go back to the the draw against uh, Hibs a couple of months ago, they had McCrory, Koulibaly, and Jack as that three central ones, and then today you've got McCrory, McCrory, Kamara, and Davis. For me, they're all very similar. They're midfielders that, if you look, I mean, you take an example of a, a Celtic. You look at the options they have. For that number 10 So they play a 4-2-3-1 Which is usually the Celtic system They have Christie McGregor Or Rogic These guys can open up doors 
it will for me They break from the middle of the park They run in behind Whereas when I look at the, the, the Rangers 3 as an example today You've got Kamara who likes to go on the ball McCrory's a sitting midfielder And for me Davis is an out and out midfielder So you don't have a number 10 Now but I'm listening to Daz I'm listening to some of the callers coming in And they're saying Candace is not at the races today Kent's not at the races today And Defoe is anonymous So for me to have so many players off their game Particularly at home Because when you look at some of the points In which they've dropped at home Ultimately mm. this When you reflect back This is what it's It's all going to boil down to Where you've dropped points To Hibs Aberdeen They've lost Kamarnock And today If you're going to try and do anything To win a title You can't afford to lose That many points at home This should be good Because calls don't always come With an instruction manual But um, Thomas From Barhead Is in Melbourne, Australia Yes And he has to speak quietly I'm going to have to turn his, his mic up Because it's the middle of the night in Melbourne And he's sat and watched the Rangers game And he doesn't want to wake the family up Thomas, as loud as you can Good morning <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to need to turn that up <laughs> It was abysmal And I blame several things Why are we paying, how much are we paying for Defoe and Davis? 60-70,000 pounds a week and for when you sign players in January, they've got to hit the ground running. We can't, in inverted commas, have time to bed in. We need to be good to go, and neither of them are going to be good to go between now and May. The other person I blame for this performance, no goals against Kilmarnock, no goals against uh, St Johnston at home. Who's missing? Morelos. Who can you not rely on? Morelos. And I've phoned up before, and I've said, I don't care how good he is, you need players you can rely on, and you cannot rely on Morelos. And... For me, I would, if we get 8 million thereabouts in the summer, I would take it because the games he's missing is absolutely no use. And there's a Mark Bandy, and he, he, he will get, I think, more given against them than perhaps he deserves. But he deserves a lot. And for me, I would take what money we can get from good money in the summer. Mm. Get somebody you can rely on. But again, ask the question before Davis. Why are we wasting that money on too? Yeah, listen, that may well be a bit more than, than the actual figure But regardless of that, Gordon DL And I, I think we'd all be the first to admit that we do judge very quickly, Gordon We, we expect instant results And if guys haven't been playing, maybe it, it takes them a bit of time But you can only judge on, on what you've seen so far And so far, I, I think even the biggest Stephen Davis fan would admit that they've been a, a bit underwhelmed Yes, you can <laughs> No, I've got to say um, The Rangers fans have been I said earlier, Gordon I said before 3 o'clock uh, Defoe, for me, has not hit the ground running Yes, you can look back at his goal at Aberdeen Terrific, he comes off the bench He scored a penalty and he scored a tap in Apart from that His overall play He contributed absolutely nothing today And I mean nothing Steve Davis walked off And I don't know if he was disappointed with the the decision of the Rangers manager or he was disappointed in his own display because he offered absolutely nothing. The, the, the two of them look like players that have not played a lot of football. They're well, well off the pace. And at this moment in time, especially at home against St. Johnston, Rangers cannot afford that. But they weren't the only two. Candace was shocking today. Kent, who I like watching, usually gets you off your seat he just didn't look interested for some reason. And I just thought the whole performance from Rangers was very, very laboured and very poor. And it'll be interesting to see what the Rangers manager says about it. Yeah, Davis Nedden's on Twitter. He says he can't blame Defoe. The tactics were wrong. He plays on the last man and he needs support. All the players 
We're below par today How much of it Alex then comes yep. down To individuals Just having to Just do more And, and perform better mm. Individually How much of it Comes down to Structure and, and Tactics and so on Well the, the 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 actual system is actually really benefited Rangers over the the course of this season, you know. But for me, well, it benefits Morelos, also, doesn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. This goes back to the point that the, the fellow in Australia was actually saying there, because for me, Morelos is the number one striker in Scotland. There was a caller on here earlier on the week and says if you take McGregor and you take uh, Morelos out the team, they're bang average. That was proven today. So. The importance of uh, Morelos is everything, and, and, and I said last week, you know, you need to try and get on top of this uh, petulance, if you like, because it's ultimately going to cost Rangers, and, and when he's not there, uh, then the Rangers management might have to look at a different shape, because for me, Defoe is not an out-and-out out number nine. Wait, and he's support. I, I, you're totally right, I mean, Morelos is just the focal point of Rangers, he scores the goals, but he's a focal point for guys like Kent and Candace to run off of, because you can, you can bounce into him. He can hold two centre-halves off at yep. a time He battles, he runs centre-halves down Defoe's just a totally different player He needs service But, you know, Rangers need to find a way To somehow deal without Morelos Because, I mean, there is going to be times That he's going to be suspended Whether that's next season, if he's still there There is going to be times where he's going to miss games His disciplinary record has proved it in the past it doesn't look like he's going to change So they need to mm. find another way Whether that's going with two up front I think that'd be a better option And, and getting the wide guys off in the phone. Yeah. And Hugh this is where it becomes a reality Because we spend so much time on the phones Debating whether or not Morelos deserves to be sent off But there becomes mm -hmm. a point Where that actually only matters so much Because it, yeah. it's a fact He's been suspended a number of times He's suspended again today And the team miss him Because he's a very good footballer You're, you're allowed to... Examine that without picking yeah. a side, and and you know you get accused of either vilifying the guy or sticking up for him too much. Both can be true. Big conundrum for Rangers here. Morelos brings the problems on his own head. For the most part, he is his own worst enemy. Stephen Gerrard knows it. The Rangers supporters in their heart of hearts know it. Thomas in Melbourne knows it. However, how do you get someone to take him? Who's going to buy Morelos? Buying themselves a heap of trouble. Well, you're still buying a lot of goals though, and a good player, yeah, so that, yeah. that that can happen. But, but the same thing can happen at another club as happens at Rangers. Invaluable when it comes to scoring goals, and here there'll be a couple play, uh, teams yeah. would come in and take a guy like Morelos. Everyone wants a goal scorer, don't they? They if take they take risks. Two out every three games uh, so far this season, and and if you take the development purely for the playing side of things, if you take the development from last year to this year. He has gone from a guy that's like, well, they're a wee bit undecided to now the Rangers fans saying he's a top, top man. So teams will think about the development and then try and work on these issues that you say. What time is it in Melbourne, Australia, Thomas? It's well asleep. 30 degrees when I get up. 30 degrees tomorrow. And it's four <laughs> o'clock in the morning, did you say? Yes, and it's about 20 degrees just now. And it'll be 30 degrees when I get up in a... Oh, well. well listen Do you know what See if you're looking for something To get over the fact That your team's Let you down That'll do it Won't it 30 degrees <laughs> When you wake up That'll help Thank you to Thomas From Barhead In Melbourne Having to speak quietly Because the family are asleep That's commitment It's commitment yeah. to the show Commitment to He's his team to, Listen there's no doubt Rangers have made A catastrophic blunder today They'd gotten the L Looked at it through his own Educated eyes As player and manager uh, simply not good enough Never mind Stephen McLean The referee Never mind anything else Rangers have shot themselves In the foot today And if Celtic don't take Full advantage of that Tomorrow 
Then they've made a catastrophic blunder as well Del Boy's on Twitter Rangers' only method of attack Is to flood the wide areas And get balls into the box Either fullback or winger But teams are now expecting it Whenever our centre midfielders Get the ball There are no options in the middle Aimless crosses for Defoe Aren't working Let's hear from you What's your take 01419511025 And we're going to start Getting managerial reaction From Ibrooks next Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Get the result you deserve Talk to Thompson's.com The games are over The talking begins 0141-951-1025 Clyde One Super Scoreboard's Open Line Hugh Evans, Mark Wilson, Alex Ray and Gordon DL Here with me Gordon Duncan on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard Get your calls in on any of today's big talking points I still wonder if we're going to get any happy Partick Thistle fans Because what a run you are on um, Maybe some Hibs fans looking back on Paul Heckenbottom's first game And if you want to look ahead to Kilmarnock Celtic or Motherwell Hearts Let's do that as well Give us a call or send us a tweet We're at that stage of a Saturday afternoon Where the managers have been speaking to our reporters all around the grounds and we should be bringing you that very soon indeed. I think lots of Rangers fans listening on the way home from the games who will be keen to hear what Stephen Gerrard made of today. Well, um, the, first and foremost, they'll have their own idea of where Rangers went wrong and they'll want to see if it coincides with what Stephen Gerrard thinks. But bottom line, no excuses. Mm. Rangers are all in front of them and they've made a complete mess of it. Look at Tommy Wright's take on it. Happy with the point. Um, I think the chances we probably could have edged it. Um, you know, and following was busy of the two goalkeepers. Um, good save from Key in the first half. Um, excellent save from um, Joe, I think it was from the header. And I thought uh, Blair's chance um, was in all day. But when it hits the, the crossbar with that about a pace, you think it's just going to drop into the net, but it didn't. Um, so um, happy with the point. And another day with a little bit of luck It could have been all three But the performance was excellent And um, we fully deserve what we got today And possibly could have got a bit more No goals but a, a bit of a lift for the players as well After last weekend No I mean I'll leave all the negativity to, to you and the media Because they didn't need lift it uh, They're good players They weren't going to let um, Three defeats in a short period of time Against Celtic affect them um, We've talked all week about it uh, we knew it was uh, going to be a difficult period for us. Yes, we could have done it better in that period. But it doesn't take away from the fact that we've more points than what we had at this stage last season, more points than what we had the season before. Uh, and we've got good players. And uh, when good players play uh, as well as they can, uh, as well as they did today, you can get good results. Nobody would have given us a Captain Hell's chance coming here after losing six, after losing 5-0 against Celtic. But we did. We believed in the dressing room. I have total faith in them. And they showed a lot of character today because I say not many teams could um, take a beating at Celtic uh, five and then come here the next game. And um, all right, we haven't scored, but with a clean sheet, and we could have won the game. Oh one four one nine five one one zero two five. Tommy Wright says no one would have given them a cat's hell and a cat's chance in hell of getting something. I wonder who he could be talking about. Hugh yeah, Keevans, you would be one of them. Let's get the thoughts of James and Kilmarnock. James, where did it go wrong today? Um, for me, hi, Bono. Um Firstly. Uh, thanks for taking my call um, For me, Stephen Gerrard has to take a lot of responsibility here Now, I'm not one of these guys who wants to hunt his head I'm very much behind the manager But today at Ibrox, we're playing by one up top And I just don't get it I don't, I don't understand why we're playing at Ibrox 
way we one up top. That's that's a tactic in my opinion for games that are away from home. Um just wondering what the panel's thoughts are. well well I said I said a few weeks ago that I thought Rangers with the players that they've got, with the four Morelos, two goal scorers, and you've got Candace in one wing and Kent in the other, and you've got a a lot of mid centre midfielders to pick for there. I think a four four two it's doable for Rangers, but it's almost like I said a few weeks ago in the show that it's the unfashionable formation that managers never like to touch on. But if you've got wing uh, full backs and wide guys who can cross the ball, and you've got two guys who can score goals, why wouldn't mm. you play it, especially at home? Is, is this not a, a horses for courses type thing, Gordon? Because actually, one up front does work better for Rangers when it's Morelos, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think yeah. Defoe's suited to that, Gordon. To be honest, yeah, with two you. seconds, James. But you've got to you've got to say the Rangers manager eventually looked at the situation and thought, right, I'll go with two up top. He brought on Lafferty, who also offered absolutely nothing. They didn't work as a partnership. They didn't get the ball into the wide areas. They didn't cross the ball into the box to put St Johnston under a lot of pressure. You can talk about formations. You can talk about everything. This was a Terrible, terrible performance from Rangers today, James. Oh, absolutely, I, I fully agree. Um, I, I don't understand again. Well, obviously with the one up top, but why you've got so many? Why you've got such a packed midfield? You've got the boy Kamara. I think could turn it to be a very, very decent signing. Looks very comfortable on the ball. Happy to break things up. Um, but him, McCrory, and Steve Davis. Why are you starting with three guys who play very similar positions? It's, for me, the shape and the formation, it's so easy for opposing managers to think, right, well, if we just sit in deep, they've got no creation because they've got three guys sitting in our own half. Plus, the guys in the Rangers team who've got the most possession, and for, for me, as your two centre-backs, what is happening? Mm. Alex, the, the, I feel like most of the criticism we've had, from, and obviously Rangers have had many good results this season, but any time... Uh, that it hasn't gone to plan The criticism we usually hear from the phone Is about that midfield And yeah. the way that they're all qu- quite similar I assume Ajaria was brought to be that yep. creative one That didn't really work out He leaves um, And it, it doesn't Maybe it doesn't look like That's something yeah. that's been fixed I think the one that actually fits into that That in terms of the person, personnel at their disposal Is Arfield You know he's got half a dozen goals or so From that midline of the, the part But I think James is absolutely right You've got guys You've got the same players, uh, very similar, Koulibaly, Davis, Kamara, McCrory, uh, Ryan Jack. They're all very similar and they're really crying out for an out-and-out number 10. Now, see if you want to play the system that the Rangers are adopting now and you only want to play with that one up, you must have a number 10 that can actually take Mm. up really good areas. It can break from beyond as well and go beyond the striker and go and support him. For me, uh, it leaves Defoe isolated up there and that is not his game. Gordon, there are always positives, even if you have to search uh, far from, for them. Would, would Glenn Kamara be the, the main positive for Rangers today? Yeah, I thought he had a good game, Gordon. Um, I thought he was the one that probably was Rangers' best player, I've got to say. He worked very hard, he got on the ball, he tried to make things happen. Um, so he'll be pleased with his performance and I think the Rangers manager will be pleased with his performance as you know the Rangers fans calling in tonight. They were quite happy the way he went about his business. Um, but the rest of the team, you know, you look at guys at the back as well, Worrell and Golson, at times 
just didn't look comfortable at all. It was a strange performance. There was no pace to this game. The passing was poor. You know, there was no like see shape to it. You're looking at Kent, for instance. Kandé is getting in the wide areas, trying to create the chances for Defoe. St Johnston really didn't have to, you know, it wasn't part of the bus and had to really work so hard to get the point. And I totally agree with Tommy Wright. If I was Tommy Wright, I'd have come out and said, uh, look, I wouldn't have said we're happy with draw. I'd have said we're disappointed with draw. And mm. um, people say it's two points dropped for Rangers. Well, I look at it the other way. I think it's a point gain because I think they're lucky to get a point today. The, mo- the most damning sentence of all from Tommy Wright was on chances, I thought we could have edged it. Now he's gone to Ibrooks, having taken three sore ones from Celtic in quick succession, uh, and they have not been afraid or overawed. And I repeat, on chances, I thought we could have edged it. He said. Thanks to James and Kilmarnock. We're going to speak to Sean, who's a Rangers fan, next. But let's hear from Scott McDonald. He's just signed for Partick Thistle yesterday. He's come out of cold storage and he scored uh, in the win at Allo. We've been having a bit of a laugh all afternoon, saying that he's been preparing for this day by playing fives with Mark Wilson and Alex Ray in the last couple of months. We caught up with him at full time. It's not about me. It's it's about helping the team, Partick Thistle, the boys. have been excellent to me since I come in. Start of the week, and um, yeah, it's a fairy tale start. So I'm just delighted I could help, you know, earn those three points for us today, and uh, hopefully it's onwards and upwards for for all of us. Uh, on our radio show this afternoon, Alec Ray and Mark Wilson were claiming credit for your form <laughs> and fitness. Imagine, they said they've been putting you through the ring on the five aside. So what, what would your response be to that? Scott? Yeah, well, Alex kicked me enough times to <laughs> so that kick I got the day. I was more than ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, look, actually, that's been really good for me. Um, I've always kept my fitness levels up. Um, I don't think I've really stopped mentally. I've probably worked harder than what you would normally do every day because you're putting yourself through a pre-season. Every single day you want to push yourself to the limit, whether it be on treadmill or hit classes, whatever you're doing. I mean, and then I'm playing three times a week with the boys. And you're playing, a, it's actually a really good level. There we go, credit where it's due You kicked Scott McDonald so many times That he was prepared for it this afternoon And he goes and scores so Listen, yeah. I showed you the message that Scott sent me yesterday When I sent him a, a tweet and said What are you doing? Coming back And he, he sent me Al Pacino from The Godfather Just when I thought I was out <laughs> Sucked me back in Yes, so well done Scotty uh, There we go, 01419511025 We will be hearing from Stephen Gerrard I hope pretty soon uh, And as many of the other managers as we can Let's get the thoughts of Sean who's a Rangers fan in the line Sean Alright buddy, I'm gutted about the game I got a live stream on uh, YouTube And didn't really think the game went that well But I've actually like to take a point away from uh, that, the first team I like to go to the under-17s. What do you think of the performance winning the International Cup for 17 for the first British club today? I think that's brilliant. Alex, I know you were interested in yeah. that one yesterday. I thought they'd done brilliant against Roma, uh, Sean. I, th- I was really impressed. The boy up comes up front, very, very good. Uh, the wee guy, Kennedy, who scored the winning penalty, looks really lively as well. I think, you know, you're looking, all being these guys are 16 and things, uh, probably not see the fruits of that for a couple of years, but it's really encouraging. And... Uh, I just absolutely loved the celebration with these young guys. It's actually what football's all about. You go there, there's Real Madrid, there's Romas, uh, and and very good opposition. And uh, when you win that, it's a, obviously a fairer in the, the academy's uh, cap. But and, uh, well done to them all. Thanks to Sean. Craig's in Cumbernauld wants to discuss the, the changes to the team today. Craig? Yeah, I um, was actually two fair points. Um, the, the, the changes for me, I, I can't understand... 
it seems to me that every time Alfredo Morelos is out of the team, whether that's the suspension, which most of the time it is unfortunately, or injury, Gerard seems to change it drastically. He doesn't just make one change in terms of, right, let's bring the phone and stick with a system that we know works. He changes it drastically to try and fit around these other players and time and time again, it doesn't work. There are players playing the day that should, I mean, again, Katic starts on the bench. Why is he not a starting 11 player? He hasn't put a foot wrong. Halliday on the bench. Again, another person who has been excellent this season. And we bring in Kamara who, okay, he's had a good game, but this is a guy who couldn't actually get a start for Dundee before he left. So I'm not sure why all these changes need to be made because it never works. And dropping points against teams like Johnston at Ibrox is just the kind of thing that's going to cost Rangers the league this season. There's no doubt about it. We can't be title contenders if we're dropping silly points like this to St Johnston. And then when you're hearing people say things like St Johnston were unlucky not to win, well, the other thing for me with that is that if St Johnston go and lose three times in a row to Celtic, they don't learn for their mistakes, all of a sudden they show up at Ibrox, they're a different team and they play better. That seems to happen regularly as well against Rangers. But you can take away the Celtic games. It's got absolutely nothing to do with what happened today. Craig's well, yeah. just talking about learning from mistakes, though. I mean, you you would you would almost hope that would be the case, would it not? If well, you're Tommy Wright, you shipped five goals last week. You're going to try and not do that the following week. Well, yeah, but it's up to Rangers. This is Rangers playing at home in front of fifty thousand Rangers. Yeah, I don't think anyone's blaming St. Johnson. So if you want to be title contenders, then you have to rise above all of that. It's also Rangers' seventh draw of the season. Uh, and that hasn't helped either You know the They've lost three games more than Celtic have And they've drawn four games more than Celtic have So draws have, have cost them But I really don't think that Three wins for Celtic over St Johnson Have the slightest mm. bearing on what happened today um, Gordon what about Craig's point about You know sort of team selection Scott Arfield I'm sure if it would have played So yeah. you, you can take that one out Yeah I, listen I'm sure Halliday has Performed well at times um, and, and Katic as well would, would they have made A difference today Do you think? No I don't think so um, The reason Halliday's not playing He's not a regular He's not uh, Sorry uh, A left back He's a midfield player But he's fit in there And every time That he's played there He's played well But Barisic is The number one left back And he played today um, You know His quality in crossing I thought was very Very poor from him um, no, I don't think so. I, I just the the one that gets me is I'm not a big fan of Joe Worrell at all. I don't think you can honestly think that you're going to win the league with defenders like Joe Worrell in there. And it showed today as well when you know one ball through the middle for Alston to run on he just takes the two centre halves right out of the game. Goalkeeper comes out, chips it over him, and very unlucky the ball doesn't end up in the back of net, which would have gave. St Johnston all three points Rangers they just I've, I've watched them this season and to me I never seen them as the fact they could go and win the, the, the title I think it was second best all the time for them I think they can finish second I think they will finish second but there's a lot of work to be done to this team no doubt and we're all touching on Morelos if Steven Gerrard's got a one man team now then there's problems here 
because you can't rely on the, the lad. He's a terrific football player. But surely guys like Defoe, surely people with his experience, Lafferty, who was uh, very good at hearts, that's why Rangers went and got him, surely these guys must step up to the, mm. the, the plate sometime. Final word to you on this, Craig. Well, no, I, I agree that these guys, they have to step up in terms of Defoe and Lafferty, but I think that that's what worries me about Gerard and the coachy skills that he's got, because Morelos, who is a number one striker, did come in actually under Kashina. The only good thing he'd done, and even under Kashina, he was still scoring goals. So I don't understand why it doesn't seem to matter who we're bringing in, whether it's Lafferty, Defoe, whatever other striker, Gerard cannot get them to step up to the plate when Morelos is out. And you're right, you can't rely on him because his discipline record's ridiculous. So that's a question mark over Gerrard's ability to get these players to step up as much as anything else. Okay, well, we're going to hear from Stephen Gerrard. That's coming up next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Win the compensation you deserve. Talk to Thompson's.com. You have your say. 0141 951 1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard's open line. Still plenty of time for you to get your calls in or send us a tweet reacting to today's football. We're, uh, we've got on the television's Newport County. Against Man City Former Motherwell defender Mark O'Brien Leading the team out For Newport Against pff, A galaxy Of stars and Pet Guardiola Campaigning <laughs> for AstroTurf pitches I think <laughs> after this one With the way the The surface is It looks it's a, a bit lively. bobbly Doesn't it yeah, Alex Ray This would take you back To when you were involved In the coaching staff Notts At County. Notts County And you yeah. get drawn Against Man City What but, on earth was that like Yeah it was absolutely amazing Because we thought We were going to put The reserve team out And they ended up Putting out uh, Joe Hart Richards Zabaleta <laughs> Botang Lescott Milner Barry uh, Patrick Vieira Yaya Turi Jekyll And Joe And then David Silver uh, company and uh, Kolarov come on when it was 1-1 one, one. Oh. and we nicked a draw but we went back to the Etihad and got absolutely terrorised but it was just great and I'll tell you who the standout player was David David Silver and this was about 10, 8, 9 years ago he was phenomenal uh, let's get the thoughts of Stephen Gerrard a disappointing result at home to St Johnston today and goalless draw here's what the Rangers manager had to say I'd like to pay my respects to St Johnston and, and Tommy uh, I thought their game plan worked very well um, they could have actually went away with more. Um, I think Wes, Wes has helped us get a point, really. Um, but across the board today, nowhere near good enough. Can you put your finger on what it was you were saying yes, you look forward to getting back here against the full house? Uh, yeah, it was. And I think um, I've been seduced in this week because the players have looked like they were looking forward to uh, playing in front of Ibrox. Um, we knew Tommy how he was going to set up. That didn't disappoint us, you know, organised. Uh, mid to low block and basically they offer you a challenge of come on then what have you got come come and come and beat us and we didn't have enough um, all over the pitch today to to find the answers to the to the challenge and um that's that's very concerning for me um we lack leadership we i'm i'm struggling to find any positives from it really um so yeah um that's where we are Extra frustration when you know you could have narrowed the gap at the top of the end of the Well, look, I think right now, forget titles and forget closing gaps. The reality is, if you perform like that across the board in front of 50,000 people, there's your evidence. Um, you don't need me to say, you know, this, that, and the other. If you've got a group of lads out there uh, and, they, and they give you that when they've got a chance to closer to three points and you've got Aberdeen and Kilmarnock and the rest breathing down your neck 
that's not what is required at Rangers when you've got a chance to close the gap. It's miles away from it. 10 out of 10 for honesty yep. That is as candid as you will ever get From the Rangers manager Across the board Not good enough Forget talk about titles uh, St Johnston could have got more out of the game We lacked leadership He has said everything That Allows no one To get off mm. the hook It's nothing to do with referees Nothing to do with St Johnston Losing to Celtic Three times in the bounce Everything to do with Rangers Being found to be Inadequate On the day I applaud Stephen Gerrard He has swallowed his disappointment And simply told Us And the Rangers fans Exactly what went on today I mean Gordon Dale We lacked leadership That was a bit that jumped out Towards the end of that it's, you know, there's no other way of reading that. That's a that's a very very strong statement for a manager to make. Yeah, like you, I thought he was very very honest there. He couldn't he couldn't do anything else, Gordon. He had to come out and be honest because everyone that was inside Ibrox witnessed it. Uh, it was very very poor. There was no urgency. There was nothing to the game. I really, I've, I've got to say, it's probably one of the poorest performances this season that Rangers have put in. They had nothing, um, as I say, didn't, to, to pick a man a match, you would have struggled. You'd have put probably names in a hat and just pick someone out. They were that poor. There was no, nothing in the middle of the park. There was no fight, no desire. There was no passion about it for some reason. I don't know what was missing. Mm. But once again, what we do is we focus on Rangers. I think St Johnston set up well and... I think St Johnston will be disappointed And then we'll get three points Mark Bain says No heart, no fight Very few players turned up Definitely a game to forget What about John in Irvin On the line Hi John Hi there Hi panel um, I'd just like to wonder How long is Gerard Going to keep playing Defoe up his own On his own It's never going to work And uh, Barrick I would rather play Wallace Right, a couple of names there uh, Alex the, I mean the, He's not got much choice With yeah. Well, the default at the moment Morelos incidentally is free to play the replay Remember against yep. Kilmarnock midweek So he plays doesn't he There's absolutely well, there's no, no, no question about, about that Morelos comes straight back into the team Gordon And I think he was talking about Barisic at left back He would rather play Lee Wallace um, Lee Wallace is in Siberia I don't think you'll see Lee Wallace playing again for Rangers He's had opportunities where he may well have played He's chosen to go with Andy Halliday uh, the problem with Barisic is he's been stop start. He hasn't had a real good run at it where he's got many games under his belt. Um, but I think, you know, when you go back to what Stephen Gerrard was saying there, the actual frustration and uh, I could hear it in his voice, there was no leaders. And uh, Rangers need to get back to that quickly because with this game looming on Wednesday night, Gordon, mm. they will need leaders against a good command team. John, whilst you were hanging on, you probably heard Stephen Gerrard's assessment. What do you make of his comments? He's honest, isn't he? He's just said it the way it is. But I must admit, I'm going to be the first one to say the referee had a great game. There you go. Oh, hold on a wee second. Let's note that down, Hugh Evans. That, that, last. that <laughs> is not one we hear very often Listen, on the Saturday night open line. The first caller said Stephen McLean, the very poor game. An honest man, John, says the referee had a very good game. I repeat, the referee had absolutely nothing to do with the fact that the game ended goalless at Ibrook. Stephen Gerrard has told you why it ended goalless. He feels that St Johnston might have actually got more than one point He feels his team lacked leadership He thinks that they should forget about all talk of titles And as he put it If that's all they've got to give in front of 50,000 people Then you know he's got to be looking for more 
Yeah, I totally agree. That this is the thing, you know. You, you had an opportunity. How much responsibility does he take? Just, to well, just uh, because it's, it's important. We we, we examine pass, that as well. You cannot just pass it on to the players because yeah. you're the guy that's leading the ship. So it's easy enough to just go like that. And I can hear his, his frustration. Uh, but you prepare the team all you like all week. He said the players looked and maybe, you know, they looked as if they were up for it. He felt as if they were up for it and were looking forward to the challenge. But when the players go on the pitch and they don't do it, you know, you can maybe make a few more substitutions, you maybe take, change the shape. But if players to a man, and Gordon Dale's at the game, he'll give you a better indication. Does he change it quick enough though, well, Gerard? Well, because he's been guilty of that in the past when things haven't went well. I think it was a relatively early 20, change today, was minutes, it? Uh, 60 minutes he changed uh, Davis. I think it was 68 minutes he put Lafferty on and then I think he brought the young middle on laterally. But it, you know, after an hour he's changed it effectively yeah. Mark. So he has actually tried to influence the game. But I think when Gordon Dale says that, he says, put it in a, a hat, pick out the man of the match. It kind of tells you what you want to know because mm. I was interested to hear because you look for some uh, joy with your fullbacks at Rangers because the two of them are so advanced. But the whole thing seems so flat, uh, you know, for what we're hearing for Ibrox. John, it was going to be important anyway. Let's be honest, a Scottish Cup replay, a chance to progress in a competition is is, is huge. How is there an added bit now to Wednesday night against Kilmarnock just in terms of, of lifting things if the league is going to be that? Bit out of touch as some people may think after today. How important does Wednesday night become? Uh, well, just every time I feel as if we've got a chance to put the pressure on his on uh, Celtic before back. It's like two steps forward, four steps back. Yeah. And to be honest, I've actually geared up trying to think what's going to happen at the next game. Alright, thanks to John and Irvin Gordon DL will bid you farewell oh, I'll let you off a whole four minutes early <laughs> See you later. Thank Thanks you. for your shift um, We'll speak to him soon Let's hear from Oren Kearney It was on course to be Arguably the result of the day yes. at, at one point um, Had to settle for a point Up there at Pataudry Let's hear from the St Mirren boss uh, Delighted with the performance Absolutely And, and a big ground mare I hope um, Probably just a wee bit selfishly Disappointed just not to maybe um, Hang on I thought I thought we defended superbly well all day. It's a bit crazy, but I thought we defended really well all day as a unit. But the two goals we conceded were, were probably quite sloppy, um, particularly the second one. I thought it was um, just a simple cross. It was good movement, but I think we've just been ball watching and, and been caught. And um, with that, you know, moving into the last 15 minutes of the game, we had ourselves in a good position to possibly, you know, try and hold on and try and squeeze some, squeeze the three out of the game. So. Um, a wee bit double-edged, but yes, I think you know if you'd offered us probably a point coming up here today, um, we'd, we'd have probably taken it. By and large, very organised, and you looked dangerous as well. You had chances as well, like Lions header that perhaps you should have scored with. Yeah, um, he's had that chance, Brad's another one where he's cut inside just when it's gone to all, where I think he gets probably a wee bit excited when he's in there, and, and if he maybe just had relaxed, and it could have been a simple pass to Simeon for, for a tap-in, so... Um, yeah we've had other chances but again you're just down into when you come place like that it's about being absolutely ruthless and we've taken a couple you know we've scored a couple of good goals today but you know obviously could have maybe had another I mean it is a good point well done to St Mirren you can't you can't spin that any other way the problem is when you look at the other results and you come off the pitch after grinding out that great point and you yeah. see Dundee have also won it it probably just deflates you that, that little bit yeah you started the day three points away from Dundee you finished the day five points away from Dundee therefore not a good day even though you've had a quite remarkable result one that very few people would have envisioned uh, and you finish worse off and then of course attention turns to tomorrow yeah. Huge games It starts mm. off a, a, a cracking day of football We've got Motherwell and Hearts at Fir Park And then attention turns Kilmarnock against Celtic Can Celtic take advantage 
of Rangers' failure to get three points this afternoon? Rangers have opened the door today and invited Celtic to walk through it. A win for Celtic would mean they would be eight points away from Rangers with a goal difference that would be double figures better than Rangers. They have been given the chance to put the down payment on eight in a row on a ground where they have lost on their last two visits. The ball is in Celtic's court. It's entirely up to them. Yeah, I think Celtic will get the job done tomorrow. I don't think Brendan Rodgers will make the same mistake as he has in previous times visiting Rugby Park after European games. I think he'll go for his strongest side, the side that's served him so well since coming back from Dubai. And I think Celtic will take full advantage and move even further ahead in the race for the title. Yeah, it's, it's over to Celtic now. If they can go on and win that, it makes it very difficult for Rangers. And then Rangers have to go again on Wednesday night, Gordon. So a lot of football tomorrow. Thank you, Hugh Keevans, Mark Wilson and Alex Ray for joining me, Gordon Duncan, in the studio. Thank you to the top team all around the grounds for keeping us up to date all afternoon. As always, though, the biggest thanks goes to you for your calls and your tweets. The phone lines are still busy. I can see them ringing off the hook at the moment. Apologies. Let's do it again on Monday night from six. We'll look back on all the weekend's big talking points in the company of Hugh Keevans and Alex Ray. In the meantime, you should just stay right there because your weekend can truly start in the company of the GBX.